Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder here at 180 Church, wife to Dr. Sammy and pastor of Transformation. Uh, and today we're continuing our series on it's our turn now. And uh, a lot of this has to do with how, you know, as we are the living letters and as we are propelling the gospel message to our friends and family, it's just I think a lot of us may have some questions about where to even begin. How do we get started? And I guess to who and to what is our specific call that God is uh, bringing to our attention? And so um, I think we had a great conversation here regarding that. And, you know, it was very encouraging for me. And I hope you also feel the same. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. So today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taking up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taking up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And that is the word of the Lord. Bye, guys. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. As we move into our theme for today, this is paramount, so I want you to listen very carefully. As we move into our new series in the church calendar, moving to the season of Pentecost, and the series entitled, It's Our Turn Now, we see a critical major transition in church history where the baton of missional and evangelistic leadership is passed on to the early church and the disciples. Yet, to see Jesus exit the scene as we move to Acts 1 today, it's exciting. Just like a kid getting their license and about to be able to take the road on their own, but it's also unnerving. There's a reason why if you put a 16-year-old Past 25, there's an, an additional premium because there's an additional risk. Young people are reckless. Young people are mindless. It's true. Life hasn't taught everyone 
all the lessons you need to learn. So you, you feel this anxiety, but you also feel this excitement. What, what I feel is that the great literary critic Harold Bloom coined something called the anxiety of influence. And that's for every literary person, every author and writer that comes after Shakespeare, all prolific ones, they felt this anxiety because they were always compared to Shakespeare. And in the same way, as Jesus exits in Acts 1, not to be seen again, the way he, 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 was, the way he was risen anyway, until he returns, we feel this unnerving, ungluing it even, and we sense it in a very deep level. Nevertheless, the good news is the New Testament is 27 books. Only four are about Jesus and his words. I'm currently watching the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the 98 Bulls. The GOAT, greatest of all time. The church, the Ecclesia, filled 23 books. That's almost seven times more than what Jesus did in the very beginning stages. Meaning, this great commission and this mission that's been excavated and rooted in Matthew 28 and been given to his disciples, been carried on to imperfect people like me and you for two millennia. And the mission still continues and God is calling you and me to finish it. And so this is not a spectator sport. This is about participants and consumers going on a mission. So if this great commission is going to happen and it's going to be fulfilled, then we all have to play a part. And that's the part we're going to focus on today. What is my responsibility exactly? How can I know what to do, where to start, if I don't know what I'm supposed to do, what I'm responsible for? And as we read Acts 1.8, even though we're imperfect, even though we're afraid, and even though there's an anxiety of influence, the church moves on, it beats on, and it changes the world from then and there to here and now. Today, as you worship today, I want you to reflect on how you are taking part, how you can begin to fulfill the Great Commission where you are. So in the beginning, we said in our new series, it's our turn now, moving in the season of Pentecost, was to question, what is our part? What is our assignment specifically as individuals and corporately, but today individually, Where's our part in fulfilling the Great Commission? In sharing the gospel, the whole church, taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And you might feel overwhelmed by that, even disoriented. You don't even know where to start. Where do I begin in fulfilling such a big vision? I don't even know where to start, you say. Well, the first lesson we learn from the very beginning as Jesus exits his scene, he gives a, st a strategy, a pattern, 
that works in a very practical level. So let's look at the text. The very first verse in Acts 1 starts with a name, Theophilus, right? So who is Luke? And by the way, just give you a little background on Luke. Luke is not the this, this only person, gospel writer, that is not Jewish. He was a Greek. And um, we see in this passage that he's writing about Jesus to a friend. What's the friend's name? Theophilus. Yeah, the book of Luke and the book of, of Acts is actually compiled as one. He was sharing with his friend all that was happening in the first century. Jesus and the Roman Empire and the collision and the conflict and the resurrection and how the world has changed since. And so many people in the city and in Rome and in Asia Minor were curious about what was taking place. So where does, what does Luke do? He starts with where he is. He started where he was. Start where you are. He started with a friend, a friend that he knew, a friend that he cared about. But that's not the only thing. Let's read here in, in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is what Jesus says. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, not only in this book does Luke begin witnessing, telling Jesus to his friend Theophilus, Jesus tells his disciples Jerusalem to begin where they were ge ge geographically at present. What is that called? A pattern, a strategy, starting where you are. Yeah, it's a big vision. The whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. But it begins going across the room and telling people you know about Jesus. Friends. Sometimes it's easier to go on a missions trip. Go where you don't know anyone, where there's really nothing at risk. When difficult and fierce conversations that are vulnerable don't come up. You see, like I said last week, evangelism, propelling the Great Commission, is not optional. It's an imperative. It's a verb. It's a command given to us by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If we associate as Christians serving the Kingdom of God, if we are not moving in this direction, it's disobedience. There's something defective, not maybe about our, just not our theology, but about our heart as well. I remember distinctively a story with Keiko. Keiko, I miss you and I miss your grin and your smile and your laugh, and especially at worship. So maybe through Discord I can hear you sing. <laughs> well, I remember Keiko after he came to Christ now many, many years ago when he was an atheist and turned to a fervent believer. I remember him 
uh, Peeps telling me a story of him going to his Excel sheet, filling up all the people that needed to know Jesus. That, that fervor, that passion was so inspiring. And so one day Kago said, uh, Doc, I, I need to meet you because I have a question. Um, I have some questions I want to discuss with you. And so we met at Starbucks and Kago asked, you know, I just am confused about, you know, I'm at this job, you know, and he, he asked point blank, what is God's specific plan for me at my job? And I leaned back in my chair at Starbucks and I thought about the question. And I said, you. He goes, what do you mean? God's plan for your job for mission and the Great Commission is you. You're God's plan. And he thought about it for a second. You know, Kago's very smart. And he said, wow, that's profound. I said, I know I'm usually profound. <laughs> Just kidding. Because it was that simple, right? It was beginning where he was. That's God's plan to take the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. You, you're his plan. You go, well, what do I need to do? You need to start where you are. God sent Kago to his job to be his plan, to be an ambassador and representative for Christ. It's that simple. It's not that complicated. He has saved you and filled you and has broken through your life passing the cosmos to fill you with his love and power so that you can shine through. As Paul says in his epistles, we are called to be the living letters. And I'm reminded what D.L. Mooney said many years ago, and I've shared this with us, right? If there are a hundred people, one will pick up the Bible and meet Jesus but the 99 will read the Christian. Are we Christian simply by name? Because Jesus never says in the New Testament, believe me, he says, follow me. Jesus doesn't say in Matthew 28, hey, could you help me out? He goes, no, he commands. This is not a question. This is an assertion. For all of us, that want to take part and it's a big too big and overwhelming start where you are that's what luke did he reached out to his friend theophilus and gave an orderly account of jesus he wasn't even like us the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection or the crucifixion he heard like us and faith comes what the bible says by hearing Amen. I pray the Spirit of God will show you today where you need to begin, where you need to start. Starting is critical to evangelism because we can always say we don't know enough and excuse and have many excuses. But obedience, in obedience, start where you are. You are God's plan for your job. You are God's plan for your campus. You are God's plan for this world bit by bit, step by step. And of course, we'll Focus more on the empowerment of the Spirit next week. But today, I want to just tell you your 
positionality matters deeply to world evangelization. The whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And I pray the Spirit would guide you today. So let's move on to the next portion of the scriptures right now. So we said in the beginning, what is our assignment, our part in fulfilling the Great Commission excavated and rooted in Matthew 28? The first thing is to start where you are. Then the second thing is to start where others are. Let's read verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days, over a month, and spoke about the kingdom of God. So here's the question. Why did Jesus show many convincing proofs that he was alive? He knew he was alive. He knew he resurrected, that the resurrected body, everything made sense. But he knew where the disciples were in the early church were. That community was frightened. They seen something that they've never seen before. A dead man coming back to life. That simply was unbelievable. Maybe even too good to be true. And that's sometimes an argument against the Christian faith. That's too good to be true. A loving God? A savior dying on a cross for me? It just seems like a fairy tale, like a myth, a legend. And so the doubt experienced by the disciples 2,000 years ago, then and there, and the doubts that exist today may be different. They vary. But I think it's critical to know Jesus' strategy. Jesus is approached in his own witness is he starts where people are. And that begins with people's doubts, their hang-ups, their hiccups. For the disciples, it was simply implausible. It was too good to be true. And so he had to start with historicity. He had to prove himself that this was not just a figment of their imagination. This was not something that they were just dreaming about. Now, this was real. And the gospel here, it's very critical to understand that it's based on reality and perhaps redefining reality and redefining the world's reality. Going from upside down to right side up in a way. And so, you see, we have to start with people's doubts so we can share why we believe or we can begin with people's unbelief. And that's okay. In 180, all skeptics, cynics, atheists, and even antagonistic folks against God, I see this in Instagram all the time, about their reasons for why they don't believe. Rather than being offended, we have to, or being afraid, we have to listen. Jesus listened to the heart of the moment. He was an artist of the soul. My, my mentor, Leighton Ford, calls himself that, the artist of the soul. The first Lord and Master was an artist of the soul. And when we begin to become an artist, to listen to others, it becomes a paramount key to unlocking 
a doorway toward effective witness. I remember uh, our own surgeon of 180, Andrew Lee, at a final presentation in his fellowship at Downstate. I saw his growth when he was a medical student when he came to Christ. I remember doing an event with him almost a decade ago at Downstate where almost 75% of his class came for an event and him sharing the gospel of his own personal story. Now, when he shared his story, it was deeply moving and compelling even. But he was still a new believer and he shared simply existentially. He began where he was and it was powerful and it moved many. But after almost seven, eight years of growing in the Lord, he gave a final presentation in his fellowship in general surgery to all the surgeons and professors at Downstate. Haley and I were there and he was giving his presentation. I remember helping him uh, with his presentation, writing his, I was his research assistant. You see that, you like that? <laughs> and um, he began not with why he believes, but he began with why Jesus is a real person. He began with historicity because he knew in the field of medicine, in the field of science, people begin with doubt. And that's what we're taught, that this is simply particles. Everything is a byproduct of particles, accidental particles creating things accidentally. He began with why Jesus has a history and why historians say he was a real person. And of course, he went from there and the doubts to why he believes. And it was very compelling. I remember texting Healy. I mean, are you thinking what I'm thinking right now? He's super hot. Healy was like, fire, fire emojis. <laughs> but afterwards, some people were in tears. Some people were really thinking through because of where he began with people's doubts, he eased that anxiety, this cognitive dissonance we feel sometimes when our reality doesn't match up with someone else's. Where something's wrong, we feel this angst. He, he dealt with that issue and it was, he was an effective evangelist and it opened the door for conversations about the gospel. He began where others were. So pray that the Spirit would give you wisdom to listen to the culture. Listen very carefully to what your friends and families might be struggling with. Because the disciples struggled with the same thing, right? Jesus had to show many convincing proofs the text says. So start where others are at. So today, as we conclude our service. Will you pray with me right now? Will you lift your hands to the Lord where you might be? Could 180 and whoever watching, wherever you are watching from all over the United States, states to all over the world, will you start where you are? Will you be the light? Can the whole church take the whole gospel to the whole world beginning where we are, where we are embedded, where God has positioned us, assigned us at this very moment. You have an assignment to do your part. You are responsible only for that part, your zone. And will you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, to show you 
how to cross, how to, you know, walk across the room, how to begin conversations with our friends. Like Luke started with Theophilus. Perhaps it can be the care package when he cares, writing really a poignant note about how you care for them, how you're praying for them, how you can come with me to church. You have to begin somewhere. I pray for the faces that God would give you or the strategic places to begin being the light of this world that Jesus asked us to be. God can use you. And whatever your excuses are, remember, they're just excuses. You got to bring them before the Lord, the fears, the disqualification, whatever they might be. Remember, the disciples started for a very, very frail place and they wrote 23 more chapters in the New Testament overshadowing Jesus' volume by almost seven. Can you imagine that? Look at that. And I pray that the Spirit right now would minister to you as we see. Um, thank you for joining us today, Pastor Lydia. And I guess like one of the ways in which I wanted to uh, I guess talk about today's sermon and I'm, I'm seeing it as a continuation of last week's sermon in that we're talking about the importance of mission and uh, delivering the gospel message to people around us um, but you know to me when I first uh, listened to the sermon and I heard it on Sunday you know I guess like one of the questions I had really was like you know where do people really find trouble starting with this because when I was initially listening to it it seemed like for me, it, it was a very straightforward, like, you know, message about how we can begin reaching the people around us based off where we are. So the sense I get about what you're asking is for yourself personally, is that you started and you have already a clear picture of who you want to share with and to continue to share with. And you kind of already got a start on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I guess for for me, when I heard this, it was such a reminder and encouragement because for me, it was like an encouragement, also like permission and reassurance because I feel like I know so many people. Like I look at how many people I have not talked to about faith. Like I, that's the way that I I am. Is like I start thinking about who haven't I spoken to. You know, maybe for you, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, these are my people and these are the people I have been speaking to, mm -hmm. you know, so I am with you on that, like that I am, I am already, I have already started, but I'm thinking, okay, where else do I need to look, you know, that mm -hmm. I see. is in my own sphere of influence and scope of influence, you know? Right. So I think there is a as there's an aspect of expanding your scope of influence as well. Oh, and also yeah, and or also being faithful to that conversation and maybe the emphasis is why, you know? Mm. I think like for a majority of, you know, I guess like my faith journey so far, it's like, you know, I've I've known that the I've known about the importance of mission and 
you know, talking about the gospel mm-hmm. with my friends. And like, I guess I've, I have seen it grow incrementally in terms of like the spheres and like mm-hmm. the specific locations that I'm at and the positions I've been placed in to, I guess, represent the gospel to people. And I guess it's like the question of whether this is the right place and is this the right time? And I, am I ready, you know, have already been kind of glossed over during those times. And, you know, when I was thinking about having this conversation on this podcast, it's like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have, that aren't at that same place as I am. Maybe they're ahead of me in terms of that, or maybe they're just like really beginning that journey. And it's like, maybe there's a myriad of questions that they have that I'm just not sure how to like, I guess, talk about candidly in, in such a way that might be helpful. Uh, yeah. Well, I think so. you bring up a point though, because you know, you're saying, well, I am doing mission. I already got started. So what is my assignment now other than mm-hmm. to be faithful to these few that I've been already engaged in, you know, in mm-hmm. representing the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think many people might resonate with that. There are people that they're praying for, speaking to, continue to speak to. Um, and in many ways, that's my case too, right? But mm. for um, some reason, for me, I was thinking, like, I was thinking, what? who else can I speak to? Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's something we can't overlook either. Because the thing is, I know that, you know, number of Facebook friends and followers on Instagram don't actually mean true friendships, right? But yeah, there are many in that number that are more, um, I guess, meaningful or, you know what I mean? It's not just a following. It's not just, I mean, there are friendships there. And so going back to the categories of, you know, the dream of people you've known, people you who have, you know, fallen back in faith, people you grew up with. I mean, these are all categories that God is looking at, Mm. you know. So, you know, I'll give you like an example. Like this is what I was thinking about all week. Um, and the message really reaffirmed it for me. So when spring comes, especially now that there's a pandemic, like I'm thinking about planting and, you know, how to make my backyard a place where I can pray or where, you know, I could look at or spend time because, you know, the workload has been great with remote learning and church ministry, you know, and people in need. So for me, it's important that I find that space where I could just check out and just restore. And for me, the backyard in the spring has always been that. Mm-hmm. And um, this year I was, you know, same, same thing as every year, but I was looking through all my plants and honestly, I couldn't remember what I planted because <laughs> <laughs> in the spring, everything looks green, but I'm like... Oh man, I don't remember what I planted and I know I, in my notes somewhere I might have it and in my Instagram feed, like I probably wrote it down somewhere. Something was something when it was full, like blooming and things like that. Mm. But I actually had to, um, so I, I actually had to join, you wait, okay, don't call me a, a geek or anything, but mm-hmm. like I actually had to join a Facebook group. It's called like, uh, plants identification group and there's like thousands of people in there and basically you take a picture 
of your plants that you can't identify or a plant you see in the woods and you want to know the name of, you post it and then you ask them, oh, can someone ID this, please? You oh, know, wow. I'm in New York, blah, blah, blah. And then like a lot of people usually respond because a lot of people have knowledge. Like people are right. so smart about these things. So anyway, so I've been doing that all week, taking pictures like, what did I plant here? And I could have, um, I could have promised you like last fall, I'm not going to forget what this is because this is so beautiful. And I love this flower. I love this fruit. Like I can't remember. I just can't remember. Mm. And honestly, I was thinking and telling Sam this all week, man, you know, they say that squirrels, they hide their acorns everywhere. So like, they're so diligent about it. But when they go back, like they don't remember where they hit it. So they're always, and then I was like, no wonder they're always scurrying around and so restlessly busy because they can't remember where they hit their acorns. Mm. But I was like, I am a squirrel. Forget panda, because people say, oh, Pilot's like a panda. But I was like, I am a squirrel. I can't remember what I planted. I can't remember what I sowed. <laughs> so all week I'm trying to remember, you know? But I guess like for me, that was very, um, I guess it's like a picture for me. Like sometimes you don't know where the, the, the gospel seed has been sown and you forget because mm. you're going through life, you're going through your own stuff and, you know, you're going through the busyness of responsibilities and you kind of forget conversations as much as like, I don't know, I'm actually in awe of the fact that you're so sure about these people that you're speaking to. But for me, and I think a lot of people are different in the way they approach, I guess, in personality or what. I don't know. But for me, I have to keep track somehow or I forget. Mm. And also, I'm always trying to speak widely, too. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, I think it was such a timely um, reminder mm. um, because I could kind of get myself all spread out and um kind of lose focus point <laughs> uh, you know yeah so to hear start where you are or start where they are it's like oh, okay that's right the gospel you know it let me just look around maybe i'm looking too far maybe i'm looking too close and it kind of recalibrated me mm. and gave me permission to restart again right and not to say that i'm like re like, um, it's all about doing it over and over again, like starting fresh, but like, it was a refreshing reminder, like that what you're doing is good. Continue, you know, mm -hmm. start today, start again today, mm -hmm. start today again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. That actually clears it up a lot for me. Cause like, I think. One of the mm -hmm. takeaways that I'm getting from that great metaphor and also what you're saying is that it's like the the great thing about this message is like it gives us the space to take into mental account again, like what or where God is, you know, sowing the gospel message in people's mm -hmm. lives. And it's like because like for me, I guess it's like you're absolutely right in that maybe the way I'm approaching it is a little bit different in that I, I guess like I was just so like one track minded and like so focused mm -hmm. and maybe you're right like i am a little bit too assured that this is what my assignment is but i i didn't really mm -hmm. take the moment to mm -hmm. be like 
oh, oh wait, it, like, is this where God is really leading me in this moment in terms of his assignment and the responsibility I have to evangelize and talk about the gospel? Like maybe, you know, I'm not like what, what's really great about what you're saying is that it gives you that allowance to really take a step back and look around to see, right? Mm-hmm. Like where to either begin again or whether to just pick up like a, like I kind of think of it in the way that like picking up an old project or like starting a new project, like recently mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time for no reason at all. Like I decided to, you know, play my guitar, uh, which I haven't played in a long time. Cause I don't really like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not like really good. Like other people are, but you know, I just like forgot mm-hmm. that I, I know I play guitar, but I for, like mm-hmm. haven't played it in years. Right. So uh-huh. it's, it's, a, it's yeah. super one of those things where it gives you that space to re- like revisit things or like look for new mm-hmm. opportunities and such like that. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I think it's like, you're absolutely right. Like I think when you brought up the question is like, you're surprised that I'm actually so sure. I'm like, Oh wait, how do I know I'm so sure also? <laughs> right. Like I guess, uh-huh. like, I guess like the methodology aside, it's just like, I think like the cool thing about this message now that we're talking about it is also the fact that like we can really observe where in which, you know, God is asking us to start doing mission. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like to assume that we're so sure about who is mm-hmm. also, I don't know. That's like, I'm not always so sure about knowing the comprehensive work of God. I'm mm-hmm. always open-minded about that. So like, I'll give you an example. Like last week. Um, so I, okay. So I was thinking about this too. And I guess I just get a lot of these images. I don't know if it's because I'm looking at the sky with clouds moving right now, but I don't know. I'm getting all these images, but um, I had an image that evangelism is also like a volleyball game. So I used to play volleyball. I actually used to serve really well, but I stopped playing in high school. But okay. No one knows that, but I actually used to play a sport. But when I used to play volleyball, <laughs> I remember, um, you know, the whole like, it's not just tennis where you hit the ball and you get it across, but there's a team aspect. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And they set it up for you so you spike, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking that evangelism, the starting, with the starting point, evangelism, if the starting point is here in the zone of New York where where my reach is through virtually, we can actually go anywhere, right? Um, so yeah, the zone is even, even the zone is not just literally physical, but it is really within your realm or within your scope and sphere of influence, right? Mm. Within your reach. And I was thinking that evangelism is a lot like, sometimes it's like tennis and it's great. And sometimes it's like soccer. It takes forever. (laughs) But sometimes it's just, it's like volleyball because it only takes a few hits to spike. And I was just thinking that in that aspect, it is a team sport um, because you know, so Henry, you know, he's a, our creative director. He has, he has all these friends, young friends that he made <laughs> when he moved to Brooklyn uh, with his wife because 
um, there's a basketball court there. And I think a lot of these kids, meaning like, I think they're like high school and college kids that come out to play basketball. And one of the kids that he made friends with um, is a high school student, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he is also a musician, you know? And so one day I noticed that he started following me and I don't really know what the connection is. I think Henry's been telling him about our church for sure, mm-hmm. right? So he made a connection somehow and he started following me. And from what I understand, he's not a Christian kid. You know, he mm-hmm. has a Buddhist background, but he started following me. So I would always feel like, Henry, you're your friend. You're one, of, you know, in Stranger Things that that one guy, he has like all these young friends and there's a scene where he, the guy's working at, oh, what's his name? I'm not digressing, but um, mm. there's this guy in Stranger, Stranger Things where uh, he was like the popular guy and then he starts selling. I'm, I'm sure people are listening and they're like tell, shouting out his name to me. but. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not an avid fan, but I know that there's this guy, he, there's a, in the last season, he's working at an ice cream shop and all these kids come and they're like all friends, right? Anyway, but that's what I always think of Henry. He has all these like <laughs> young kids that he's friends with and we always laugh about that, but it's very endearing, right? Right. And anyway, so yeah, so this friend of Henry's, uh, he started following and he started like, and maybe it's just being polite or he likes what I put out there, but he started liking all of my posts, which are very, um, what is the word? Explicit about the gospel, mm. right? Cause I'm very intentional about what I write and what I put out there. Cause it's a way of sewing too, right? Yeah. Where people hear it about their, about faith. They have knowledge of it, but now they have something to think about and not the absence of faith, right? So, yeah, so he started liking all these things. And then, um, you know, it's been a while. I think they've known each other for about a year or two years. I'm, not, I'm sorry, Henry, I'm, maybe I'm not getting the facts. But, <laughs> yeah, he's been following me for a while, too. And I was, I started praying for him. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't know this kid, but I feel like he's not opposed to anything I write. I mean, he doesn't have to come and like my post, but he does. So. I started praying for him, like, God, I don't know him, and there's no connection, really. And without it being too abrupt, I pray that you would somehow make a way, right? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of how I go about with, like, people that I don't really know well. Or sometimes people that would even come to our church and they're seekers or whatnot. I'm praying, like, Lord, can you make a connection somehow? Um you know, so that it could become something more meaningful, right? Mm. But anyway, I did the same thing with this kid. And then last week, actually, last week, he put up a story about music that he created. Now, I'm a musician. He's a musician. He's very musically gifted. So I was like, oh, there's my starting point. Kind of like last week, we talked about basketball being like that one common thing. Yeah. And, um, of Michael Jordan and Sam led his friend to Christ that mm-hmm. he didn't know that well. So anyway, so I said, Hey, did you compose that? So we started having a conversation about music and, and he asked me, he said, Hey, are you that pastor of uh, 180 church? I'm like, yeah, I am. And then he pauses for a bit. He, he must have run in somewhere and he got this notebook of 
like uh, it was like a 180 fellowship care package journal letter that he received because I guess Henry gave it to him Mm -hmm. and he posts a picture of it and I'm like reading it because I didn't hand it to him so I don't really know and then he says to me thanks for this and then I'm like reading it and it's about God sees you and God cares about you I say Henry wrote that personal letter I don't I don't really know the details of it but um I said oh you're welcome and then um, he was like, yeah, that's really cool um, what you guys are doing. And then I just said, yeah, I mean, we're here for that, for people who are looking for faith and to understand faith and about God. And then he was like, yeah, yeah, that's really cool what you guys are doing. And then I said, well, and then like, this is my moment for a second. I was like, okay, this is the moment where it gets a little awkward, but I'm just going to extend it because mm-hmm. I could have this parallel conversation forever. And a lot of times it happens, right? We can have a conversation with the intention of the gospel, but not throwing the gospel at them. But I needed to make a connection about the gospel because yeah. this, you could talk about music forever, right? Mm-hmm. And then kind of miss the train or miss the point. And that's kind of how I think. So I was like, all right, well, I got to let him know um, something. So I'm going to throw my net here. Like, that's just kind of how I think. And I was like, and it's like genuine in my heart, you know, and I said, hey, and you know what? We're here for you if you are looking to know about God, Christ, and faith as well. And then he says to me, he's very sincere. He goes, he says to me, uh, I'm actually not religious, so probably not. Mm. And then, so I was like, hmm. And <laughs> I said, well... I would think, in my opinion, <laughs> I said, in my opinion, religious people are not looking for faith because they already think they have it, right? So, yeah, it would be for people who are not religious, actually. And then he he goes, uh, and then he pauses and sincerely, <laughs> and I knew I threw him off. I knew it, yeah, but yeah. it was kind of intentional. And then he goes... Uh, I genuinely don't know what to say to your comments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a. That is and then to I think said, about. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes, like, I don't mean to be rude, but I really don't know what to say to what you just said. And then I said, well, all that is required is for you to be genuine and sincere. But if you're curious, that's all. And then he goes. Yeah, I was really trying to find a good response for your comment, but okay, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we went on talking about music. Mm. But for me, that was really, really like intentional, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know that for him as well, because if there's no starting point whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, you can't, there's nothing to continue on. People don't come to Christ or get to know Christ or uh, learn about the gospel or the good news in a vacuum. People don't come to Christ in a vacuum, you know? Yeah. So there had to be a starting point. Mm. And so, yeah, that happened last week. And then to hear Sam's message about starting point, I was so encouraged. Right. So encouraged. Yeah, that's a really incredible story because it's like, because I know what Dr. Sammy uh was talking about was the fact that like you know faith comes from hearing about it and so it's like you had brought that exposure like where you know there was a 
matter of choice of whether you can expose the gospel to somebody or not. And it's like, unless there is that exposure, there is no real starting point. Right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's the key. The The key is that if gospel is not told, people can't find him. Uh, faith comes through preaching of about Christ. Mm. And so if there's no starting point, forget about it. Yeah. You could be in a parallel universe, alternate universe, and just continue your life and nothing ever connects. Mm. So I think that's why the starting point is so important. Yeah. That's definitely something to really think about because then then it kind of goes back to like what I was, I guess, first questioning about. I was like, where do we really start? And I think um, I that's, this is a great transition for me because I really did want to talk about something that Dr. Sammy mentioned to Kago about how, mm-hmm. you know, he and effectively all of us individuals are mm-hmm. God's plan for delivering the gospel message. And I think like like what you mentioned to Henry's friend, like like those words do carry a lot of weight to think about, you know, our specific roles and responsibilities for uh, the gospel message. And it really started from, I guess, your the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think from your example through Instagram and conversing about music and the gospel with Henry's friend, it's like you were in a position, whether via social media or like physical proximity to bring that exposure to him and it's like Mm -hmm. and so like i guess like a lot of the times we don't really see ourselves as being the plan but like we think of ourselves as part of some plan right i mean like we are but you know like we, we don't i guess it's like it's it was very profound for me to revisit and think about the fact that like we were placed in certain positions at specific times for Mm -hmm. the sake of uh delivering the gospel Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah. Oh, go on. Oh, no, no. I, I, I yeah, that was just like a statement. I guess I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that because it's like that's that's essentially what had happened with you with, with like talking about the gospel with people in general, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think it's two things. <clears throat> like, I think the point, uh, the first point of the message being start where you are, right? Or start where they are. It's for me, I took the application as, and I think it could go two ways. It's kind of like make your starting point, right? If you don't see a starting point, make one, Mm. you know, like, um, I don't know if you ever saw Dr. Strange, but he does this thing where he literally creates a portal (laughs) out of thin space and something that wasn't there appears and as a result they're able to go through it i mean there's so many stories like that right Mm -hmm. so for me if i can't see a starting point i'm looking to see in the invisible i guess i guess um where can i make a starting point right Mm -hmm. and it could seem all metaphysical and it could seem all supernatural but it's very practical if you if you think about it when you want to get to know somebody you got to take that awkward step right yeah if you want anything, you have to kind of step forward. And that stepping forward is like making a starting point. So in my case, one of the two things is that first I made a starting point. Like, okay, you know what? This is my zone. So let me make a starting point. I'm going to start right here. And then I walk through it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And then there's the two of what you're talking about. 
what Sam preached about, um, and he shared the story of Kago. Kago was wondering, okay, well, where can I make the starting point, right? That's what he was asking, basically, like, what's God's plan? Where can I go? What should I do? And the conversation or the response to that question was, you know, you don't have to actually think so hard about it. You are already where you're supposed to be, mm. you know? You don't have to make one. You just have to realize that you are in a starting point. You can start now. Like you are already there. So I think it's, I guess it's about two different approach and how dynamically, um, we approach things and how the spirit works. Mm. But I am a fervent believer that the spirit shows up for either or, or and, mm. you know, by faith, you make an, you make a portal and you, go into Narnia and then you go into these endeavors of faith journey that happens, or you realize you are in Narnia and that you are at war and then you seize the day mm. because you realize your positionality, you know? Right. Well, I think that's a great way for people to, I guess, uh, see for themselves like where they might even begin to start. Right. Like, I think that's what, mm-hmm. that, that I think that's really great. Cause like, that's what, I'm getting a lot from this conversation is that like to in order to really engage with a starting point um I I guess like starting with yourself and starting with others is not as straightforward as I initially assumed but it's like really being mindful about like where you are who you are mm-hmm. I guess the people that you connect with and like you can reach out to and and such and so, like those kinds of questions that revolve beginning um, I guess the call to mission. Yeah, because the very first word is like the the verb that is emphasized is go. Mm. If you don't, it, go is kind of like step out, like go, make a step, right? Right. And I think that's important. I think a lot of times people are wondering, well, what can I do? Uh, I don't really see it working. And you kind of look at a box and you're just kind of looking for something. But God is working outside of the box all the time. So if you're not stepping out and actually engaging in the verb of the movement of go, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to see, right? Because God is working. We just, and he's, and you know, the thing about sewing, right? Is Bible makes it clear that we're the ones who sew. Others might come and water it, but it's God who makes things grow. Mm-hmm. So the aspect of sewing is something we have to go. If you don't go out, like if I don't go out to my backyard mm-hmm. and water the plants, if I don't go out and sow the seed for salad greens for, you know, two months coming, I am not going to have salad greens. Mm, yeah. What you sow is what you reap. So if there's no sowing, you will not reap. But sometimes God will send birds to you know, you know how the seeds spread in the yeah. in the world. Like, like get, sometimes the bird will come and poop, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and you'll get lucky, and you'll get something that you're like, "Wow, what is this?" And you see a fruit, and you recognize that, "Wow, there's life here." Mm. You know, so I I think to look at it black and white within a box, I think we have to remember we have to step out, we have to go, and God is working outside of the box of our own frame. Mm. Yeah. That that is a that is that is definitely something to think about. Yeah, sorry, I was just thinking about it. That's why that's why I had the pause. But yeah, um, yeah, because like that analogy is really cool. Because I guess I was starting to think about like the 
the garden I have that my mom and grandmother like fervently mm-hmm. sow and stuff. But like, there are some things that they are very intentional about to plant, like lettuce and like onion, like I don't know, tomatoes and things like that. But um, one of the things that we do have that you know was just kind of like brought to us was like a grapevine, right? And so uh-huh. like, so we just have like this random like bunches of grapes and stuff in the summer that just happen to be a part of the garden but like it's not like that like it's not like we create like so like sowed that seed for that plant but it was like kind of brought to us and like this this garden is ripe with opportunities whether they were made or whether they were like brought to us right yes exactly because what you're talking about is transplanting when you take a plant that belongs somewhere else and you take it somewhere else and plant it. So yeah, it's really about joining in. And it is a lot like volleyball, whatever sports, how many hits it gets, it takes to, you know, to pass the ball across. But yeah, Mm. it's really about going and recognizing that there's so many starting points right here. And I think that's the other emphasis. You know, Sam talks about it's a lot easier sometimes to go on a missions trip with people that never have a conversation uh, that's meaningful to faith. And that's so true. There's sometimes, you know, missions trips are necessary because it helps out. But I think a lot of times there's a catharsis of feeling like, oh, I went somewhere. I did something. I sweat. I, it was hard for me. I realized and I learned these lessons, but they are not always necessarily helping out the work of the gospel Mm. or in a meaningful way. So I think even realizing um, that the opportunities are here. Right. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that um, brings me to the next question then, because like given the opportunities that we have, you know, some of the opportunities, I guess, like are a little bit more delicate than others. If if you, if that's not, Mm the inappropriate way to go about it or like not the wrong way to go about it. Cause it's like, you know, one of Dr. Sammy's points, the second point was that, you know, we have to also start where others are. And that's like bringing mm-hmm. a context of where our friends or our family or like the people that we are reaching out to uh, like, and like mm-hmm. addressing those contexts or talking about uh, faith and the gospel in such a way that it, you know, you know, addresses doubt or addresses questions mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, he used the example of like how uh, Dr. Dr. Lee was delivering the gospel message to his cohort of medical students and such like that. And it's like there are specific ways in which we can right, like talk about the gospel with certain demographics of people or like um, like certain demographics of friends and such like that. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess I wanted to touch on that a little bit because I think one of the one of the more confusing questions for me about gospel, uh, about gospel presentation is usually about like, okay, so how do I talk about this with others? Right. And it's like really about identifying, um, I guess the need, right? Like that's what Dr. Sammy said in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have the wisdom to discern what the culture is, I guess, like asking or like having a pulse on mm-hmm. w- where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on. No, no, no oh, yeah. I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah. So I, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about that. I guess like in the, if you have in your experience, uh, like how, 
you know, because like I think what you brought up with Henry's friend is really cool because it's like you you were able to kind of you know extract a very meaningful conversation in that because you address the fact that you know you know like people religious people already have religion and so they're not necessarily seeking it but you know the questions about Christ are really for those that you know maybe don't identify as religious or as a believer yet or they are embarking on that right and you were able to like identify that and uh you know pursue that question and i guess it's like for me you know considering my demographic with uh, academia and i guess the direction i'm going with my life it's like you know i'm always kind of on the forefront of thinking about like how i can bring up the gospel in a way that makes sense historically uh bringing the historicity the credibility and such like that and like the facts to the discussion and the mm -hmm. table and things like that and that, that's like what's always on my mind kind of similar to what we were talking about uh last week about gospel presentation I, I guess like um are there are there ways or like practical or pragmatic ways that we can you know do that i guess is what i'm trying to ask yeah um yeah for sure but like looking at dr lee angelie's story um it wasn't all that pragmatic right yes the approach and the historicity is pragmatic like yes they thought about the scientific um community right mm -hmm. what is it that they may be pondering about because they approach things scientifically right so historicity and credibility is important so he adjusted first from that angle and then he talked about his own faith mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. of how that um became real to him um, but it's not that logical per se, or, you know, step one, step two in his decision to actually share his faith. I mean, he could have had that talk about any other subject hmm. to have a talk, but I think it was in the, in the choice he made to talk about and share his faith. Hmm. Because one, it, it's essentially, but also in reality, it is the, it is true, right? Yeah. So he wanted to share it, right? Because it is true. It's not just his experience, but he believes it is truth. And that's why he brought, you know, the, you know, he talked about it in the way that he did. But uh, again, the choice to go is there, mm, right. you know, is go literal in that you're going to a mission trip or going to a place, but he made the choice to step out and decided this is what I'm going to talk about. And then with that decision, Sam laughed and said he was his research assistant, yeah. but they worked on it together. Right. You know, mm -hmm. they worked on it to um, so that it could be a really good presentation because you only get one shot, right? Yeah. In a situation like that. So yes, the information is important. Knowledge is so important because it's in the preaching of the person of Christ, but it really started with his decision to go yeah. when he decided, you know what? I'm going to talk about my faith. Mm. So um yeah you know what i mean so i think again it's about he realizes positionality 
and he saw his starting point, and he made a move. Right. I mean, it really is a move that he had to make、mm. in order for that to happen.、Mm. And then he spent the hours preparing, right, to present, gathering the information.、Mm. And that's like more specific to a presentation, but I think like. I guess, like maybe for us that are not like in the position to like make a presentation about a case for Christ or anything like that, and if we're、mm-hmm. having a conversation with friends about Jesus, I guess it's like what I'm noticing about, you know, that story is that there was that conviction to obey and heed the call to, you know, talk about the gospel with our spheres of influence, and then it was like a period of whether it's experience or reflecting on. And preparing for making that case, and I guess it's like,、um, do those two kind of things go hand in hand always? I guess is what I'm asking in terms of like, because、um, I know you said it's not really step by step in that way, but I guess it's like, does the preparation to present the gospel come、uh, based on like who we're trying to address and such like that? And I guess it's like. Mm-hmm. The... Yeah, I know what you're asking. Actually,、oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm starting to understand that、um, what you're asking. But yeah, finish the question. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to stop every time. I'm just responding to you. I just can't see your face because、yeah, we're doing this virtually now. Yes,、yeah, I know. That's I'm trying to be、uh, mindful of the pauses and such. Yeah, yeah. I know. I appreciate it.、Um, but、uh, yeah, I guess I guess、uh, the question for me really is like you know.、Um, You know, there's a call to obedience, and then there's a preparation. And I guess it's not that it always per se looks like that, but I guess it's like how can we, I guess, prepare to address those needs, right? Because I think like what Dr. Lee and what you and Dr. Sammy have done in terms of presenting the gospel is that there was something about, I guess, something that was maybe bothering the human soul, or like something that was on the hearts of a lot of people, and you were able to identify. And also address that, and I guess it's like,、um, what, does that come with just experience, or like, I guess my question is, what are the processes involved in、um, being able to address a cultural need or like the needs of people's hearts and such like that?、Mm, and also, the other question you were asking, along with that, is how do you know which? Um, which approach and how to prepare for、yeah. that, right? Like, how prepared do you need to be? Yeah, yeah. Because、uh, I think one of the things that reminded me of that from the sermon was that last week we talked about how like we prepare for a journey, right? And like we like gather things so that we can go on like embark on like a long journey and things like that.、And、I guess it's like it. It kind of I kind of wanted to follow that thought from last week's conversation. Yeah, you know, my thought on that is. Knowledge is important, you know. I'll start it from there, I guess. Knowledge is important because、um, preaching Christ, you have to make sure you are talking about Christ,、mm. and you know, to not the the very basic I'm talking about, like knowledge grows. Like if you look at the scripture.、Um, Jesus, it says in Acts one, chapter one, verse three, it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Yeah, he appeared to them over a period of forty days, which is more than a month, and spoke about the kingdom of God. So the people hearing,、um, whether it's the same audience or you know, audience grow and differ 
depending on the day, they knew more by the time Jesus was done mm. and decided to ascend, right? Yeah. So you do know more, you grow in knowledge, the more you actually study and learn. Mm. And I think that's an important um, point because Jesus was very intentional about showing people not only that he was truly alive, but teaching people about what the kingdom of God is, you know, helping people understand exactly what he was about, um, why he rose again and why it's significant, not just that he rose again, but to the people that they trust in him. Right. Mm. And this happened over for more than 40, I mean, about, uh, yeah, more than a month. Right. Yeah. So knowledge is important. Because Jesus is pouring into people so they understand better. Mm. So there is that aspect. Um, knowledge is important. But um, on the other hand, when someone starts sharing about Christ, they don't know much, you could say. Or maybe they know a lot. Like even that, it's very differing because for some, they may be listening to the gospel for weeks and months and some for years. Mm. And they have friends along the journey that are speaking to them about truth. When they go through things, you know, there's perspective that's given through scripture and encouragement, you know, led by the spirit to pray. So they could have so much knowledge by the time they come to Christ. By the time they come to Christ, they know a lot because all the truth somehow solidifies in your decision, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like everything I've heard. It's all true and it was being spoken to me. So by the time that that person opens their mouth to share and say, Hey, mom and dad, I came to Christ. I know this is not our origin of faith. I know we're Buddhist. I know we're Muslim, but I am a Christian now and I want to tell you, um, why mm-hmm. this is what happened. So they have enough to share, right? Or even someone who's been there for a month or two months. The story about us being being the living letter is not only about knowledge because you could tell a story, but because you are the letter of what Christ is already writing. And even if you just tell chapter one or the title, this is a story about me coming to Christ. Right. And subtitle, this is about how it happened. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You're only in the very first page. Right. But by that, others know that person in that family in among friends. So when people hear that, what you met Christ, like what happened? So they could put the pieces together of how Christ came into their lives. So the story mm. gets written that way as well. So there's, again, it's like very outside the box and how the spirit works, right? right? So knowledge is important to understand what it means to come to Christ, what it means to live for the kingdom of God, what it means that God, Christ is Lord and God is our father. Like, but you don't have to know so much be in chapter two, chapter three of your story to tell the very, I I don't know, the very message that I came to Christ and this is why, you know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. So I don't know if I'm explaining it clearly, but I just feel like it varies. Yeah. So. Yeah. It seems that makes sense to me in the sense that it seems like from us 
being able to begin to even articulate or even, you know, reflect and express how Jesus changed our lives and how we've come to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, like kind of paves the way in which, you know, other people can bring to the conversation or bring to your story like those, you know, uncertainties, doubts and fears. And like, that's how that like to me, this is how I'm seeing is like, that's how that need or that, you know, I guess that cry uh, it gets revealed uh, in, mm-hmm. in some reaction or in some way. Like it's, it's no one really knows exactly how, like there's no formula for this, but it's like that being able to, you know, preach about Christ and talk about Christ kind of brings forth that need from people that are, you know, looking for Jesus, whether they know it or not, or whether they, you know, are coming with questions and such. Yeah. And to be fair, you don't always know where people are coming from exactly, Mm. you know. Mm. How could you know? There are cries and tears and ponderings and wonderings of the heart that people are not aware of. And even if they're aware of it, they may never have expressed it, even to their loved ones, right? Mm. Even to their significant other, because it's just so deep. It's never been uttered Mm. even. So, but the thing is, God knows that, but we may not know that, but we might have an inkling that there is a hunger, Mm. you know? So it's kind of like in a simple way, like meeting people where they're at is realizing where the hungry are, where the thirsty are Mm. and bringing food and bringing drinks. Yeah. I mean, in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says that he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for, for God for they will be filled. So, and then you realize, oh, what? Oh, you're hungry. Here, I have some food for you. Mm -hmm. You know, and then what do you like? Oh, actually, you know, I really, really like that pie or, you know what I mean? And then you get to know more as you speak. And by then spirit is already showing up in that conversation to reveal more because the Bible says that the spirit reveals the things of the heart that no one knows you know, and mm. there's the gift of prophecy, even, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, you are about to go through this endeavor. I'm not talking about, um, you know, what is it? Foretelling, but there are things of the heart that's illuminated as you engage, you know, as you go, mm. as you obey. So the spirit is always there and he's always willing to reveal Christ, reveal God and his power. We just are, I guess, all, all we have to do is just show up to it, right. to go. Oh, yeah. That is a really cool thing. I guess these are the dynamics, right, of the spirit and how he ministers right. the ministry of reconciliation of people to God. Mm. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes supernaturally, um, there might not be any connection. And, you know, Acts talks about this where people have dreams and the spirit will say, Hey, I want you to start a conversation with this person. Mm. And you're like, I don't really know that person. I never really had an engaging conversation with that person, Mm -hmm. but God's like, well, they're in your starting point. So he won't say that exactly, but if he gives you a dream and if he wants you to talk to that person, he's saying, well, you didn't see the starting point, but actually, you know, Collect 200 and go. <laughs> like, go on, move along. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And so you go and you start talking. Hey, I know this might be weird, but I had this dream about you. And so many times I'm surprised by how that dream makes more sense to others that God is thinking about them mm. than it does to me. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's like a, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many like different stories about how people come to Christ and like so many different ways. And I guess it's just like, for me, I'm a little bit awed by the fact that, you know, there, cause that, cause even that description is almost like the almost opposite way that we were talking about approaching mission. Cause it's like, you know, the spirit is illuminating to us a certain need that we might not be able to clearly identify but then that need was identified to us and we're we go and show up to address that whether we know what that need is or not and that's also a way in which the spirit works yeah but is it really opposite i mean it's not opposite it's, not so <laughs> it's just it's not like you know one way or like i i guess i guess like it's not it's not necessarily opposite to me that might not be the best word but it was just like uh -huh. it's just a different way in which you know Christ or god reaches his children and i think that's just like just so it's it's like there's no way we can there's no way i can really fathom just like how like that works you know what i mean like it's just because like mm -hmm. i think well, well for me and i don't know if anybody else also feels this way but i i always like i'm trying to figure out how things work and what's the best way they do work and it's like there's no real like best way other than the fact that we really show up and obey mm -hmm. i guess is what i'm trying to you know ponder yeah about. yeah and i guess i just laugh at that about you know I, I i hear your point about it's feeling like it's opposite but it's almost like very counterintuitive or mm -hmm. maybe it's so different from what it might seem like because when you hear go where they're at it's almost like there's a if we're I think we could be presumptuous that we should know everything, right? But, mm. or there's an assumption that we should know enough. But like looking at the example of Kago, you know, for example, right? Cause Kago is a nice guy, you know, he's a smart guy, he's a nice guy and he's very, very, um, caring, right? Yeah. And a lot of, so he probably goes to his workplace and, only because it's Kago, I guess. Like he says, "Good morning," <laughs> you know. He says, "Hi," or "How was your weekend?" Oh, my weekend was alright. Oh, really? What did you do? Only Kago starts those conversations, not us. <laughs> <laughs> no, my joke being, I mean, sometimes we could spiritualize or make it too logical and forget that there are these things called language mm. and expressions and you know greetings and letters and you know care packages things that we can't say right away you send a care package and you write it and all of a sudden it's it fits it's relevant you know so yeah that's all calculated right because we're mm. human beings we have to say hi we have to greet and Hey, you want a cup of coffee? Hey, how was your week? Person seems fine. Okay, walk away because I can't see where they're at. No, 
in conversation, you could find out. And sometimes in conversation, you'll be surprised where you end up. But I think it's the fact that we don't discredit the people in our zone, mm. you know, yeah. to realize that we are here and there's so many starting points, whether you make it happen or whether you recognize it and walk into it. Mm. I mean, there's the aspect of reaching out to a friend when they're in need. Right. Right. But does it always happen that way? Not always. Because mm. um, maybe you reach out and nothing really happens, but, you know, someone's having a great day and you reach out and you could have that conversation. So mm. it really differs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I guess like... You know what's so funny? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, please, please. I'm still looking at... Yeah, just something I want to say. I'm looking at the sky as I'm speaking, right? Mm. And the clouds are moving. And the funniest thing, and I think it's a good imagery, because I think pictures speak more than a thousand words, they say. Who said that? So profound. (laughs) But, (laughs) like, I'm just looking at the blue sky, and sometimes birds are flying, but I kid you not, a pink balloon just went right through the cloud. And I don't know if you ever watched this um, movie called The Red Balloon. It's a French silent film, literally about following this red balloon. And it's so adventurous. But anyway, it's kind of like interesting because you think and you assume that what you will see will be clouds, a blue sky and clouds of different shape and maybe some different birds, right? Mm. You don't expect to see a balloon on this day, especially in a time of pandemic. Like, you know, we have all these like assumptions, assumptions of putting things in a box, like, no. And then you go, but then I really saw a balloon. And, and to me, that's such a reminder of you don't know what to expect. Like with God, anything is possible when we go, you know? Mm. We always assume things will happen the way that it, we think will happen and we forget all these different factors. But the command is to go and the command is to make a move. Command is to step out into your zone, accept your positionality and make a move, right? Make a connection, mm-hmm. make, make a starting point, you know, go pass, collect 200 and go like whatever the case is. And, to realize we're not going to know much. And even if we think we're in control that much, even prepared, we're not really in control other than the fact that we know that we're in obedience, you know, and anything can happen. Right. So I don't know. I was just reminded of that. That is a pretty good picture because it's like what I what I get is that, you know, usually there are certain things that you would expect, but then being open to the unexpected is, you know, also being, I guess, open to the way in which God is moving. It's kind of the yeah thought I got. Yeah, and then and then the other aspect is it might be a really rainy day and you might not see anything in the sky, but something is brewing on the inside. And we might mm. not have control of knowing that in the moment either. And it goes back mm. to the very first message of the pandemic or second week. You know, I was so encouraged by that. Despite what we feel, 
God is moving and God will move according to his word. So, yeah, sometimes we need visuals of, I guess, outside of our own box, but sometimes we need to be reminded not everything is so explicitly clear and laid out. Some things Mm. are already happening. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the, like, last things that I wanted to talk about, um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be the last thing we talk about, but, you know, like, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, like, um, you know, like, there, like, I think no one said mission is easy, right? Like, I think, you know, mission can be Mm -hmm. quite difficult um, in various ways and forms and very specific to each individual. And I guess it's, like, I was I was just wondering what I guess you find as a reward for you for why you do mission and such like that because I think it's like you know I I always tend to think of like whenever I try to do something difficult like extremely hard you know one of my very first responses and I'm a you know this isn't my favorite part about myself but it's just that like I just want to quit right like I just don't (laughs) want to do it and like Uh I guess it's like there's something difficult there's something rewarding about difficult things in general and i think i guess i wanted to talk about this aspect in terms of mission specifically because it's like you know sometimes i guess we don't really know exactly what we're i i don't know i'm I'm just kind of i guess thinking about like how people can generally like look for a reward or like something for them that comes out of doing why Mm -hmm. doing what they do and such like that i guess i wanted to like have a conversation with you also about like i guess what is your reward that you get or what is the reward that you feel like you get uh when you do do mission because i think for me you know when i think about it and it's like i i know for me mission is not always the easiest because you know whether it's like i feel uh, a lot of pressure to like have all the information right and things like that or like i have to stock up on all this knowledge like we talked about before and things like that it's like i think even despite all the difficult aspects of like, I guess, trying to be well-versed enough to articulate uh, the gospel to my friends and uh, people around me um, is the fact that like, I get to, you know, share what hope might look like for people and things like that. And I, I guess I found that over a string of experiences. And I, I also wanted to like, uh, talk to you about, you know, what brings you the joy that you get from doing mission. Mm. What was your response? You were kind of touching upon it. Oh, uh, you, you know, I think it's like, it's it's pretty personal in the sense that, you know, I think I grew up just generally like without hope or not really seeing the point in, you know, I guess living a life or like a good life and things like that when I was younger. Uh, really strange mm-hmm. question to be asking myself when I was younger, but you know, like despite that over the years, you know, and having known Christ and like, I guess being so grateful for like the kind of the hope and the love and, you know, that, that I receive from knowing who Jesus is and such like that. And knowing that there's so many people out there that don't have that, this incredible blessing that I have is like, and when I get to, sorry, this is not fully processed, but like, you know, seeing (laughs) that there are, people that don't have this incredible gift that I have and seeing that they can also have this for themselves and really know it, know hope and know the person of Jesus as an eventuality or like hopefully soon. Um, 
I think was like what I found to be the reward for why I want to talk about Christ with people or like why, you know, I, I, I would, I would hope and really hope that people come to Christ and such like that. And I guess like I identified that for myself because it's like mission can be really hard and I don't really always see why I do what I do. If it seems almost like it might lead to disappointment or like it might not come out the way that you might have expected and such like that. But, um, and so like, I guess that's like just the general struggle that I have. And, but like, what keeps me going is the fact that there is, um, hope and, you know, I love that people can also find that for themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I guess I, I, you know, and I know that you love Jesus, you know, like just as short <laughs> as it is. And it's like, I, I guess I just wanted to also ask you about what your, motivations or like why you continue to do what you do is and like why mission is so important to you Mm. um for me i feel how do i say this i feel indebted to christ in a way where not that my salvation could be earned I'm not talking about my salvation, Mm -hmm. but to know this truth of the hope and of life and the way of Christ. It just, how do I say it? I feel selfish not sharing something that's not only for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Right. I just feel like this is like you could hoard many things and talk about it and get through it, whatever. But this is not one thing you want to hoard. It is meant to be shared. Mm. And I feel strongly about that. Um, And the reward part of it is when I when I know that. So I, I really feel like when someone hears about Christ, it's like heaven opens, opens up mm. and the connection of God's God, there's a connection of God to somebody, whether that person accepted Christ or not. When I, I, I really believe that, that there's like a ray of hope that touches somebody from heaven to earth. Like I, I really believe that. Mm. So. To me, to know that that's happening to whatever degree is, I don't know, uh, it's such a great reward Mm. to know that people are finding access to God or, you know, like, and then, so I see heaven and I see people and we're walking and then it's literally like a hand comes out from heaven to let people know that I am here, mm. I am alive. Mm. Because I think a lot of times people live as though that's not true. You know, it's what you see and the ground you work, you know, that you walk on and the people that you see around you, everything is very like natural. But every time Christ is shared, the hand of God literally reaches out in love and really the ray of hope and life of Christ literally touches somebody's life. And the increase of of that is really what brings someone, you know, into the light of 
realizing who Christ is, who the Savior is, right? Mm. But so for me, um, that reward is so great that in this world that is possible. It's kind of like when we pray that God would hear us and answer us and speak to us like God of the universe, our father, that he's our father. Like that connection is so rewarding for me. Hmm. So does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I love that visual because I think it's like you, it's, you are seeing how a relationship is being established between someone that is being exposed to the gospel like almost like directly to God. Yes. I think that's exactly. Yeah, I think that's really great because that is kind of like literally what is happening. One thing that does not change even in this pandemic and the pandemic cannot take away is our purpose in God, mm-hmm. which is to live a life worthy of God's calling mm-hmm. every day, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and to do it again, right. to wake up. Like you could wake up and feel like, am I relevant today? Cause I've lost my job. Like I'm not doing what I used to do that would make me feel significant or that I was alive. But one thing as Christ followers that is, does not change is our purpose is the great commission to live for Christ and to go of following Christ and obeying him and going and, li- and loving God and loving others by going stepping out of our comfort zone like that's something no one could take away like the pandemic cannot take that away so even if there's irrelevance that we might be feeling actually each day we have a calling Mm. to live a life worthy of the call that we received which is the purpose of god so yes i don't know to me i was like very moved by that idea um that thought but yeah, so that's rewarding to me that there are things that the world and no one could take away. Yes, the love of God, but the purpose and the calling of God is irrevocable. It cannot be taken from right. us because it is heavenly. It's given to us by God himself. So, yeah, that's rewarding. Living for that is rewarding. Mm. Stepping out into that, it's rewarding. It's really rewarding mm. to live for something that's beyond this world is rewarding yeah amen to that i mean that that is such a powerful reminder Mm -hmm. yeah that's my reason (laughs) Uh, it's a great reason i mean i think uh yeah i mean i think that's such it's i i again like i'm gonna reiterate that that was a powerful reminder just because like you know just because things changed around us, you know, it's so easy, even like, you know, especially during this time to like really, I guess, lose that sense of purpose because like your rhythm has changed or like life as you knew, knew it at once, like with the things that you thought were like purposeful and like meaningful and things like that, those things could have abruptly just been, you know, flipped upside down. And, but like, you're absolutely right in saying that our purpose in God and our call to God and for God is one thing that is just remains even despite circumstantial change. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I guess 
I want to say this um, to a lot of people because I know a lot of people have been struggling because structure of the old life has been kind of been robbed mm. and taken away. Mm. And I think a lot of people are struggling with not just a lack of structure, but irrelevance. Mm. Um, and there's in between from figuring out, okay, what do I do now? And then there's the thoughts that enter like, then what am I now? And the thoughts of how long is this going to be? And how am I, how long am I going to be in this? You know, there's all sorts in that nuance of things and in the transition of coming to a place like I'm going to be okay. And then it starts again the next day, those thoughts. Mm. And I think the struggle of irrelevance is really, really powerful in that it could really knock someone out in of their of any kind of livelihood or vibrancy mm. and um even before saying that the enemy speaks lies and all of that and that being given but i want to say that um i just want to remind people that god's purpose for your life is existent and at work and active and relevant today um, despite the changes that have happened in your life. Mm. And because I think a lot of people feel like, feel like that and are struggling as a result. And we could put it off and say, well, oh, that doesn't matter. It's not that important compared to what others are going through out there. But actually it's a real, it's a real fight. It's a real deal. You know, so I think God wants to reassure people that, yes, you and I'm talking to the people who are staying in and quarantine and not the essential workers and not, you know, the frontline responders and healthcare professionals, people who feel like compared to others, what exactly am I living for? I don't even have a job anymore or I don't have all the things that used to make me feel like, you know, I was going places at least. Well, God is wanting to encourage you that you're not irrelevant. Actually, you're more relevant than ever before. And it's true what Sam says, that God works so powerfully in interruptions in our life, more than we could ever ask for or imagine, than when everything is kind of just going the way that we thought. And so God's purpose is still relevant in your life, in my life, despite the pandemic. And God is working in you and wants to work through you. And he is working through you. So I don't know. I think that's also part of the purpose too, to remind each other when we're struggling that, oh, not just like suck it up, but to remind people that actually God is still at work and God is still calling you and speaking to you. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's an important reminder because, uh, you know, it's tough these days, I'm sure for a lot of people to kind of hold on to truth even, but, um, like you said, the truth remains. And, you know, I think I really, did love that answer that Dr. Sammy gave Kego that like, you know, 
you or I and we are God's plan. And, you know, if we are part of God's plan and we are, you know, the culmination of what God wants to do in this world, it's like we always inherently have some purpose and like we're never really going to be irrelevant. Yes. Amen. Um, are there any the closing remarks or anything that you wanted to also add, Pastor? Because I'm out of questions. <laughs> I don't know. I I think I think it's, it was very uh, comprehensive cool. <laughs> for today. Cool, cool. Yeah, but if there are questions and um, things that you wanted covered or addressed that wasn't mentioned in the podcast, you can actually email those questions to the podcast email, which it's 180 church podcast at gmail.com. Well, you know, I can sincerely say thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Lady, because I think uh, not only does this, you know, bring a lot of clarity to some of the questions that I had and I, I hope other people also had, but, you know, I think, you know, my overall takeaway with this message is very encouraging. And um, yeah, I mean, I think right now I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I really feel at peace. And, uh, you know, I, so I just want to thank you for uh, having this conversation with us to talk about, um, I guess, who we are and our roles with the gospel message. You're welcome. And thank you, Joe, for always showing <laughs> up with an, an honest heart and being so candid about, you know, where things are at. And I think people really relate to that. So thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, hope you guys tune in for this week and we'll see you next week as well. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Now for the benediction. Will you bow your heads? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Let the shalom of God go with you. Amen. Until next week. Bye now. My name is Michelle. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a member here at 180 Church. And if you're here today visiting us virtually for the first time during the quarantine, welcome. We're so happy that you stopped by, checked out our message, and we hope that you were blessed. We just had some community news that we wanted to share with you guys. Um, the first is tithes and offering. We continue to encourage all of our members to tithe faithfully. And since we're not meeting in the theater, we're meeting virtually, there's a number of ways that we can do that online. Um, we can do that through Venmo. The handle is at church180 or PayPal through our website, 180church.tv. And we also have Zelle and Chase QuickPay as an option. And the email address for that is offering at 180church.tv. Also, we know this is a really difficult time for many of us. And so we just wanted to remind you guys that we have our prayer text hotline at 539-7-PRAYER or you can email any request to prayer at 180church.tv. Please know there is a team of people praying over all of your requests. Um, like don't be shy and um, send all of your requests, big or little, to this team. Know that it's covered. And we always love to hear about any praise reports that you guys might have. So. Um, please keep us in the loop on any developments regarding prayer requests that you send in. We also have a number of small groups that meet uh, throughout the week at 7.30 p.m. virtually. For now, we are meeting virtually, of course. Um, if you're not connected with a group, but you'd like to be, you can speak with Pastor Billy. His information should be on the screen for you. Um, you can email him and he'll make sure that you get connected to the right group for you, especially now um, it's just so important to have community and support and know that you're not alone in anything that you're going through. Um, it gives you a chance to just go a little bit more into the weekly word and to share how it applies to your life um, and also hear how it applies to others and gain some really great insight that way. Next, we have a number of ways that we can all stay connected through social media. We have our 180 BRG Tumblr page where we post a new chapter of the Bible every day. Currently, we are going through the book of Luke. We also have our 180 BRG Instagram page where we do share a verse a day. Um, so we encourage you guys to subscribe to that. We have our 180 Church uh, Instagram page also. And we have our 180 Church Facebook page. We also have Dr. Sammy's Twitter page. And we have our 180 Church NYC YouTube page, which is where you're watching us right now. And we also have our 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. It was on a little bit of a break, but it did return this week. So we hope that you got to check that out. And it's just a, a really um, thoughtful conversation revolved around the sermon for that week. So we encourage you guys to, to, yeah, subscribe and listen. It's just another tool to keep you sharp, uh, especially during this quarantine in your faith. 
Lastly, we just uh, wanted to share with you guys that we do have our 180 Cares, which is a new and really great resource where uh, we can stay engaged with our community and those on our thoughts and minds and in our prayers. So just share a little bit more information about that, we have our correspondent, Andy Liu. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Andy. I'm a member here at 180 Church. I want to give you guys some more information about 180 Cares what we're really trying to do with this program this time around. As most of you guys do know, 180 Cares, we are a customizable care package service. We create these beautiful personalized care packages that we deliver to your friends, your family, and those you're really close with and really want to outreach towards. And we really do this because we want to give you guys the opportunity to reconnect with the ones you've lost and might not have spoken with in a while and maybe you just miss. And this second batch around, we actually want to give you guys the option of selecting a virtual care package. In the virtual care package, we want to give you guys still the opportunity to personalize it by adding your photos and videos and gift cards such as Seamless or Starbucks and Receiver, as well as game chats and group chats and etc. in there for you guys to really still share love and still share the mission, even though we're all locked down in quarantine. So we want to share, we want to give you guys the opportunity to still share that community and sense of community, even though we're not physically there. So for more information, please check out 180church.tv slash 180cares or DM us on IG at 180church. Thank you guys for your time and hope you guys stay safe. Thanks, Andy. Hope you enjoyed our service today and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, hope that you have a blessed week, another week in quarantine, but a blessed one. And uh, may you know that God is with you and you're not alone.